We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Manny Diaz Show, another season of University of Miami football. Joe Zagacki alongside University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz and my broadcast partner Don Bailey Jr. as we get ready to kick off the 2020 college football season. The Hurricanes will begin on a Thursday night game against Alabama Birmingham at Hard Rock Stadium with an 8 o'clock kickoff and Canes have been in training camp. Well, it seems like for a long time, coach, but uh, things so far are going smooth. It's been a very interesting, I'm sure, off-season and very interesting training camp. How have you been able to navigate us to this point where we're just a couple of days away from kickoff? Can't believe we're actually here. Um, I mean, 2020's all been about taking everything day by day. Um, our players have already overcome immense challenges just to get us to that to this point. You know, the fact that we actually have a game that we can talk about and, and prepare for because for a long time that was in doubt and we didn't know. And, and really it, it was up to what their their behavior patterns were and and you know being a model for staying safe and staying healthy and and that's really gotten us to this point. Manny, what do you think was the point where the team just really bought in? You hear that in sports forever and ever, buy in, buy in. But I'm talking about the buy in to make sure that everybody's going to respect the new rules and to get this season to kick off. Well, it had to be immediate, you know, because when we you know we probably brought 65 or so players uh, for summer workouts starting around June 15th. And, you know, it could, have, it could have gone bad right away. So, we, you know, all of those testing, the, the testing rounds we put our guys through, we knew that they were all very important because our football team and a couple other sports were really the first student at, students that we brought back on, onto our campus here in Coral Gables. So they were, in essence, the test run for being able to bring the, the, the larger student body back, you know, in August and, and how they were able to function and how they were able to you know, sort of keep the virus out of our building was the, sort of the big battle cry. 
uh, we talked about. So it, 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 you know, there was we couldn't have a gradual, you know, building. We had to, we had to we had to be really good right from the start. Coach, why do you think it became important to the players? Because it can't happen. You had great leadership, of course, with you and President Frank and the administration. But ultimately, it has to be important to the players. Why did it become so important to the players? Well, they love playing football, you know, and and it's something that they've done since they were their little kids, and they've been good at it, and 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 it's just you know they love the, being a part of a team. You know, with 2020, what what we all kind of got knocked sideways back when we went in the lockdown is we really had no structure, right? Every day was Groundhog Day, and there was really no sense of community, and that's really been an issue of, of you know globally in this t- calendar year is just you know we're so divided on so many issues and. And so the the wanting to come together as a team, the wanting everyone to have a common purpose, to think of something bigger than yourself, um, you know, I think we really all appreciated that when we got back into the office in the summertime, got back into workouts, and, and ultimately got back into, into training camp. Coach, I really want to give you credit for asking your football team to be leaders on campus when about other students possibly not wearing a mask and how important it is but setting an example not on the field we talk about that and we talk about the games but when they go into the the student body to set an example there as well and they bought in on that fact is equal well they did you know we always any given year you always tell you know the the players that they have more to lose than sometimes than just the general student body or just people out in public, right? And that's whether that's behavior, uh, how we operate. There, there are just things that if you want to be an elite football team, there are decisions that you cannot make when you're outside this building. 2020 presented a whole new level of decision making. And, and, and so the understanding that, that our season was and still is dependent on the compliance of many people doing the right thing. Um, to keep the numbers down. What we have seen is that the numbers are man, they, they are they're malleable. I mean, we if 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 there is a proper pattern of behavior, and we've seen it in Dade County where our positivity rate was in the 20s for the majority of the summer, and and now it's it's coming down 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 into the sixes and sevens. Um, that is not just random. That is because of a pattern of behavior. So we wanted our guys to to be leaders and show that it could be done. Uh, we kind of jump into some of the things you've been able to uh, accomplish in training camp, but I do think it was very interesting and uh, worth report, uh, repeating. You only had four practices in the spring, but one of the things you were able to show your players is by contact how much time players spend in contact, and so that probably getting the virus isn't going to happen on the football field because there isn't that long sustained contact. Well, we, we at least wanted to give them what the data you know, suggested. And, and, you know, obviously we don't want to, we don't want to have anyone on our practice field that, that, that is carrying the virus. And now with our testing, we hope that we have the ability to eliminate that or make it the, the odds very low. Um, but yes, I mean, I, we have tried to do this entire year is be as transparent as we possibly could with the players, because as we know, again, another aspect of 2020, there's so much information out there. Not all of it is at times accurate. Um, so just be an open book, uh, let them know what, what's real, you know, and, and one of the things is, is actually, as you mentioned, is how much close contact are you in with your teammates during any given practice or even in a game. And what the numbers showed is that it was not it was not large periods of time. Andy, you're a parent, have beautiful kids, but every kid on your football team has parents or guardians. How did you keep them informed as well? Because you didn't want the translation to go wrong from, from the student athlete to the parent or vice versa. That's right. Well, we, we've had a series of Zoom meetings with the parents really throughout 
the entire pandemic, um, just trying to do the same thing. I mean, try to let them know exactly, as you mentioned, what uh, um, what messaging we were giving the players and um, allow them to ask questions, allow us, even if we didn't know the answer. You know, the answer a lot of times in 2020 was, I don't know. Right. And we struggle with that, right? It's, it's, you, know, you know, we always want things to be certain. And when you're dealing with things, and a lot of times, as tricky as a virus, I mean, there is going to be some uncertainty as, as we were learning more about it as a medical community. But um, I think that communication going back and forth and, and, and letting everyone know that, that, again, we are led by a pandemic expert at the University of Miami and Dr. Julio Frank. This, is not, this was never a, a football decision made by football coaches or athletic department staff. And, right. and everything here was about what would be the safest to operate. And, and, and I think sort of, you know, with Dr. Frank being our North Star, it, it became very easy for everyone to see that there was a pathway forward. Let's talk some football. You made some uh, some changes in the offseason, and we're very excited to see your offense. Brian, three new offensive coaches, all former offensive coordinators. Coach Lashley comes in, spread offense. Got yourself a new quarterback. Uh, got a new right tackle. You got a lot of enthusiasm on offense. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what you've seen and why you like it so far. Well, yeah, I mean, it was obvious towards the end of last year that, that things weren't working the way that we needed them to work. and. Um, and, and to your point, you know, when, when, you're, when you're trying to get this program where we want it to go, um, you got to address your issues. And obviously we had some issues. So, um, you know, giving us a, a different style of offense, you know, making some things a little bit easier on our players um, that they could execute, um, getting the ball into space and, and, and allowing ourselves to play fast. I think, number one, that was very exciting for everybody in our program. As you mentioned, Rhett Lashley, Rob Likens, Garen Justice, it's not just even, you know, stylistically, you know, the, the style of offense they like. It's really who they are as individuals, uh, very confident people, um, uh, coaches that, that have great connections with their players, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that was an issue I think we had a year ago. So you're just, you know, again, from my chair, you're just trying to solve all your problems. And you know that you never have all of your problems solved. Um, but there's, but that, you know, again, that's what 2020 has been about, right? You know, find an issue and try to fix it. So we've been trying to do that, and we felt like we did that, you know, bringing in Derek King, you know, Jared Williams, a, a, a transfer tackle. I mean, just just a lot of, you know, and then and then the class of 2020, some of those guys who really are, have had a really good training camp. So um, it's a new year. Every year in college football is a new year. We've seen that a couple of years with some of the teams. Uh, if you look at LSU a couple of years ago and where they were to where they ended up, and, and that's not to say that it's, it's always that simple. It never is. Um, but we did feel we do feel like we're in a better place offensively than where we finished a year ago. Coach, give us some insight on what attracted you to Coach Likens, a guy that played the position in the Southeastern Conference, and then of, co of course Coach Justice, who also was a second-team All-American and an offense that was a fast pace at, at West Virginia. But what what led you to those guys and hiring them to be a part of this staff? Well, there's some people in this profession that I have an awful lot of respect for, and you know, you everyone's heard the the, the air raid. Um, passing game that's been, you know, that's really, you know, been, you know, different coaches around that have had great, great success with it, and it's kind of spread out through college football. And I had some people that were very familiar with the air raid and have been in it for a long time that said Rob Likens was the best wide receiver coach in the country. And if you want to throw the ball um, and have a great level of success, you better have a wide receiver coach who's a great teacher. Um, so that was really exciting. But getting Rob in, you know, when you really get the people in your building, then you get to find out really how they connect with others. And I think that's where our receivers have really bought in to not just Rob's teaching, but who Rob is as a person. Karen Justice, I think, very similar. 
Uh, we saw the success he had a couple years ago when he was at FAU. Great connections um, in South Florida in recruiting. Um, so very highly regarded. But but I feel the same way when they when they that you just it's like recruiting. You just don't really know until you get them into your building. Um, you try to find out as much information as you can. But um, the way that you know again the way that Garen carries himself, I think he gives all of our offensive linemen confidence, which is so important in that position. Um, and just has a demeanor about him that that lets those guys know that, listen, if you do what I say, this stuff is going to work. I think uh, when I think about the spread uh, offense, I think about big plays uh, created by perimeter players. You've got a nice blend now, some older receivers, and you brought in a, a nice crop of young receivers as well to compete. Uh, what are your thoughts on where they are right now? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I mean, you, 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 you want to get the ball, you want to attack the – you know, the grass and, 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 and get the ball to your playmakers and some simple ways to do that. So the ability to have an older guy like Mark, Mike Harley, a senior, you know, one of the hardest working guys on our team, uh, Mark Pope and D. Wiggins kind of entering year three, which is really the year you like those. You know, they both flashed a year ago and you'd like them to really have the ability to break out. Um, and then some young guys, as you mentioned, you know, Jeremiah Payton. And we really like all the, the, the freshman wide receivers that we brought in. All those guys have made plays in training camp. So now they just have to learn, you know, how to bring it into a game, you know, which will be a process throughout the year. So, you know, having those weapons on the outside is something that Miami should have, you know, and, and that's why, again, the piece of having the quarterback that can, and, and, and the system, but then now the quarterback that can distribute the ball to the playmakers we have at UM should, should always be a key to our success. Coach, I don't know that there's a defensive coordinator in the history of the game that would want to have an offense that doesn't run the football, at least successfully. And everything that I've seen at practice, Miami is running the football successfully. It's, there's talent, but also, let's not confuse it, it's a big part of the game plan. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, again, that's always a misnomer of the, of the spread offense is that, you know, that there's an unwillingness to run the ball or be physical and, and really – the opposite is true. I mean, obviously, with 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 Red, his background, with Gus Malzahn at Auburn, they're going to run the football. They're going to throw play action passes, um, and you'll see a lot of the same things with us. You know, and, and even Red knows. You know, you throw to score, but you run to win. You know, and and that's really the fun part when you get the tempo rolling and you can just lean on people and and run that ball. And what you're really trying to do is you bring more and more people inside to stop the run. Well, now you're that's where the one on ones and all the the open field is on the outside. So. And then, and then the, the added element of having a quarterback who is now a run threat, that's a whole different dynamic for a defense as well. Okay, we are off and running for the 2020 Manny Diaz show. Alabama-Birmingham is the first opponent, a very worthy opponent. We'll talk about Alabama-Birmingham as we continue on the Manny Diaz show right after this. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Welcome you back to the Manny Diaz Show. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr., University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz. Hurricane football season getting underway at Hard Rock Stadium. An 8 o'clock kickoff against Alabama-Birmingham and coach a worthy opponent. They won their first game. They've got a great winning streak at home. A ton of veteran players. This is a team that has played together for a long time. 18 returning starters for Alabama-Birmingham. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that key point. They've played a game. And in fact, their head coach, Bill Clark, said after their first game, you know, Central Arkansas had played a game before UAB had played a game. And, and he mentioned, 
that he felt like UAB in the first half made some first game mistakes that you know that Central Arkansas did not. Um, you mentioned all the players they have coming back. I think they're second or third in the country in returning production. They've got a quarterback that's got that's eleven and four as a starter. Their running back is the all-time leading rusher in school history, second only to Travis Etienne from Clemson in terms of career uh, rushing yards, active players. Um, they've got wideouts, four offensive linemen that have started uh, 10 games or more. Their tight ends went crazy uh, last night. But the strength of this team is really their defense. Um, and that's what Bill Clark is known for as a defensive coach, um, top 10 in the country in total defense the last couple of years. I mean, there's not a metric that they are not an outstanding defensive football team. And, and the, the score of the Central Arkansas game was a little bit misleading. Central Arkansas scored 35. They had a four-yard touchdown drive, a 15-yard touchdown drive. They scored on defense. And then they scored on the last two drives of the game when UAB had the marching band in or whoever playing defense for them. So um, held them down to 300 yards, which is what they do. This is, this is a very, very experienced, dangerous football team. Coach, they've got a linebacker from across the street in, in Coral Gables, mall number six. And this young man had a fantastic season last year and looks like he's picked right up where he left off. Yeah, very uh, um, a, a stat sheet stuffer. You know, uh, tons of tackle for loss, sack numbers. Uh, really high. Um, obviously, he'll be highly motivated to, to play the Miami Hurricanes. You mentioned uh, their running back. Really, they have a three-headed monster in the backfield, three running backs that they like to use. Uh, is, a, is their running game a top priority to take away from them? Or uh, they kind of remind me of the old Frank Beamer Virginia Tech teams where they run, 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 and then hit you with a deep ball. Yeah, at their essence, they want to run the football and they want to play action and throw it deep. I mean, that's really what they want to do. Um, because of some of the, the weapons that they have, tight ends and some of their wideouts, they, they are a little more diverse in their passing attack. But make no mistake, they want to run the football. Um, you know, it's a defensive head coach. They want to try to control the game, you know, you know play to their strength of their football team, which is their defense, and, and, and try to frustrate us by keeping their, our offense off the field. They've got a defensive end that's kind of built like Greg Rousseau was, a six foot seven guy. I believe his number is 22. That's right. And he can create problems, and that's going to have an effect on the offense of Miami as well. Yeah, Jonathan Smith started his career at Florida, was a very highly recruited kid that, that you know, had some, you know, whatever reason, had to leave Florida and, and ended up at UAB. So, again, Smith and Maul last year, that those two players are both um, preseason Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year candidates. Um, tons of sack numbers and tons of tackle for loss numbers. What do you think you'll be most interested interested to see uh, from your team into this first game, and what's the what's the biggest concern of a first game? Well, historically, first games um, number one is always tackling, right? Because again, just the idea of just you know the speed of the game, everybody getting tackled now. Um, you've always had you know as everyone does during training camp, you have limited opportunities to to actually go full tackle. And then keep in mind, we did miss those scrimmages in the spring. Um, turnovers is always big in first games, you know, um, you know, quarterbacks who have generally speaking not been live in practice are now live. And that's where, where a lot of turnovers come. You said you saw that affect UAB a night ago, you know, and then um, and then conditioning, you know, especially with, you know, with going fast tempo offense, you want our depth uh, to be a factor in that. But, uh, you know, we, we, we trust in David Feely has done a great job of getting our guys um, in great tip top shape and and ready to play. But those three things normally, and, and I will actually add in special teams as well. And we saw all those things that, you know, and again, in our game a year ago with Florida, you know, just in a game where it came down to a play here and a play there, you know, um, uh, one play of poor tackling, a, a special teams miscue, um, you know, a late missed field goal and those type things that really a game that, 
you know, can turn a win into a loss very quickly. So I think, generally speaking, those four things are the most important in openers. Coach, let's go to special teams for a minute. Can we sleep better at night knowing we can make a field goal? Yeah, uh, you know, Jose Borregales is, again, another way that just changes our football team. You know, some of the games we won or lost a year ago, that could have easily have gone the other way um, and went in a league like you know with the ACC where it's going to be so tightly um, bunched together. Or the, the league is so much deeper than it's been um, the past few years. You know, you got to be able to make a kick, you know, and obviously we were, we were you know, had a, a hand tied behind our, our back a year ago where we could barely, uh, you know, kick a field goal from the 20 to 35 yard line and just, you know, red zone scoring, you know, it was, it just felt like it was always all or nothing for us. So to have a guy like Jose, I think gives confidence to everybody on our football team that, you know, um, that we can find points every time we get across, you know, midfield and drive the ball deep into someone's territory. For this game, we have a uh, 13,000 uh, fan capacity. But I, but I feel like when your team runs out through the smoke, we're still going to have that great tradition. Uh, the 13,000 will empty their lungs, and uh, I just feel like the emotion is still going to be uh, as high as it would be no matter what. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about this now. This is really the first major sporting event in Dade right. County since we all went, you know, it was really, it's crazy. It was the March 11th Miami Heat game was really the last thing. And I know they had a couple of fans at a NASCAR race or something, but this is it. And, and again, we've all seen how much we miss sports and how sports brings people together and the community of sports. And we, we've been able to watch, you know, the Heat on TV and, you know, the Marlins are back playing. But, but man, being there is just important. It, it's different. And, and we've seen just when we're all, when we've all been pulled apart and had to go into shelter in place, just to bring people back together again and whatever number it was. We didn't know that this day would come, and we certainly didn't know there'd be any fans there. So I, I would imagine it'd be an emotional experience for, for everybody in the stadium. Hard Rock Stadium, one of the most highest-rated stadiums in the United States of America as far as cleanliness goes. They have gone way out in front of everybody in the whole country to make it safe. And what a relief that's going to be, whether it's 13,000 fans or less or more, but they really took the forefront on this. Of course. And, you know, and that's where our, a great partnership we have with the Dolphins and, and really intelligent people that want to solve a problem, you know, which is, again, what, what the year's all been about is, is understand your issues and try to fix them. And, look, there might be some things that just are different now, you know, going – I mean, we've all seen the way things have changed, even the way that we live our lives now, you know. I mean, does anybody go and wait in a in a, in a 30-person line for a hot dog anymore? You know, I mean, why did we do that? We did it because that's the way we did it, you know, back in the 50s, you know. I mean, I think, you know, the idea now that you can use an app and, and, and press a button and, and all this stuff happens, I think maybe the game day experience is just continuing to evolve, and I think that will help, I think, with the safety as well. We haven't spent enough time on your defense, so two, two things about the defense. Uh, one, uh, why do you like him right now? And two, do we have a turnover chain? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what's it going to look like? Well, you got to wait, Joe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hopefully not too long. And, and hopefully it makes, yeah. and if you don't see it on the first try, there'll be, there'll be others that you have a chance to see it. But um, what I do like about this defense is that I do feel like they saw, you know, Look, every in the last four years, we we've played really good defense at Miami. But I think they saw, you know, you know internally as we look back at last year and some of our performances um, that did not match up to the Miami standard. Mm -hmm. And I think internally, I thought they were able to see why that was, and you know, in some of the issues and 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 again, without getting into the specifics, 
um, the way we've worked, uh, the way we've practiced, um, the way that some, you know, our guys have set tone better leadership uh, than we had a year ago last year. It was so dependent on Shaq Quarterman, and that was really it. Um, I think at all levels of the defense, we've got a lot of experienced guys and a lot of older guys that have helped set the tone on just on, 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 on getting back to how we work, how we run the ball, how we do anything as a Miami defense. Coach, give us an overview of the linebacker position. You lost two sons. <laughs> Pickney and, and Quarterman were guys that you raised. They came in week one and, and were with you from, from stem to stern, so to speak. And right. give us an overview of that position. Well, normally when you would lose two four-year starters, you'd be you know um, really scratching your head on how to replace that type of experience. And we're, we're so blessed, number one, to have Zach McLeod, who's been in the program for five years now in the same defense and understanding all of the ins and outs. And then B.J. Jennings, who's just been the story of one of the stories of training camp. I mean, to come back from such a difficult injury and to, to come back, he's played at a very high level. Again, has tons of experience of just understanding the ins and outs of our defense. Um, and then a very physical presence. You know, you know the closest thing we're going to have to Shaq Quarterman in terms of packing that punch and being that thumper in, in the middle of the football field. Um, a guy like Sam Brooks, who had a, a great experience in the bowl game, played outstanding uh, in Shreveport, and then really talented guys behind. You know, you know uh, Avery Huff. Um, you know, I have to mention also Wayman Steed, who came back from a, from a great injury as well. But we really like our, our freshman linebackers. We signed you know Corey Flag, Tariq Austin Cave. So there's just you know we are probably a deeper linebacker unit than we've been in the last few years. We were so dependent on the on the first line guys, um, and we know that our depth on defense will be important this year anyway. Depth in college football is going to be a, an untold story in terms of, of wins and losses. Um, so we feel good about our, our depth there. You know, I think you can really see uh, your vision coming together. And uh, We talked the other day about finding like-minded players for, for you. And I look at that safety position and I see Gervin Hall and Bubba Bolden, Amari Carter, and I guess uh, I'm going to put Keontra Smith. I know striker, safety, but one of the common denominators I see there is uh, punishing tacklers. Those four guys are really aggressive and probably can send a pretty good message to the opposing offenses. Well, that's exactly right. You know, you know, as we've said before, in any sport, you got to be strong up the middle to be strong on defense, and your safeties especially. And 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 DB tackling is 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 so crucial in the era of, of the spread offense. So, you know, as you mentioned, the three safeties, Hall, Carter, Bolden, it's been impossible to tell the three of them apart in, in training camp. I mean, all, all three guys are worthy to start. Um, they're, they're all going to play as if they're number ones. You know, certainly we'll have some some sub packages where they'll all be on the field at the same time. But but having those guys that, that again, that have experience, that are all older guys, understand the game and how to prepare um, gives you a lot of confidence because again, they, 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 when the safeties know what they're doing, they give you know the, the cornerbacks confidence. They give everybody confidence that they can get their jobs done. Coach, you lose Rousseau, Rousseau early in the season. He opts out, but that opened the door for a lot of other players. That's a deep spot for you at defensive end. Give us a, an overview of that spot as well. Yeah, you can never have enough pass rushers, and um, you know, and, his, and everybody knew um, how important Greg was to our defense a year ago in his production, but. Uh, but we are definitely excited about what we have coming back. You know, obviously Quincy Roche coming in from Temple, a very highly productive player, and has and shown that in training camp that you know he's got all the tools to to put that on on tape again a year this year. Um, Jalen Phillips probably in the story of camp. You know, we really had not seen him practice. Uh, you know, since he'd been at Miami, we he had the four days in spring. Only two of those were in pads. 
Um, but not and, and, and not just his playmaking ability, but his relentless effort chasing the ball. When you see a guy like that, that's what sets the tone for your defense. When your defensive linemen run to the ball as hard as anybody and your defensive backs tackle, then you've got a great defense. So I think so. whether I'm a Jafari Harvey or a Cam Williams or even a young guy like Chance Williams, Quentin Williams, when I see an older guy that's as talented as Jalen um, sprinting to the football on every play as if, as if he's the only guy on the field that, that has to make the tackle, that's what sets a tone for that whole unit, and that's, that was very exciting to see. It has been a uh, long, hard journey to get to this point, but we are ecstatic that we're going to have college football. University of Miami for the ACC is going to kick it all off. The Hurricanes and Alabama-Birmingham on Thursday night. Hard Rock Stadium, 8 o'clock. We'll continue with the show right after this. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. And welcome back, everybody, to the show, the Hurricane Hotline. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr. until 8 o'clock. Coming up in the 7 o'clock hour, we're going to hear from ESPN's David Hale, one of the top college football columnists for ESPN, and also Quincy Roche, outstanding defensive end for the University of Miami. He will join us at about 7.20, so that's coming up in hour number two. And, Don, what are we about, like 50 hours away now from kickoff between Miami and UAB? We're almost to the start line. It's okay if you tell us the truth, Joe. Are you at the stadium already? <laughs> it's okay. It might be. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are like you that that are aching and jonesing for this big time, but I don't think anybody more than Joe Zagaki. <laughs> don't tell the Dolphins, but I'm camping out. <laughs> they know. <laughs> okay, so if, uh, for the University of Miami, knock on wood, it's been a very smooth training camp. Uh, Coach Diaz says everybody's ready to go as we sit here on a Tuesday night. Uh, he says everybody's ready to go. Of course, I guess we have another round of testing tomorrow before they kick off. But in terms of physical injuries, it looks like they're in a pretty good place. When you think about the sporadic time on and the time off, you really have to give credit to your training room and Vinny Scavo and that group. You have to go with, with Coach Feely and the strength and conditioning and realize that those guys honed in and looked back historically on when things were stop and start like they have been, and what do you have to do to keep this team healthy? And they have passed to date with flying colors. I mean, when you when you think about the fact that Miami has been, uh, how they were limited in spring, and then you had a couple months basically where everybody was on their own, and then you bring people back and you're trying to get them all conditioned at the same time, you know, that that's a really a recipe for disaster. and. And Miami's done a phenomenal job of navigating their way through it. Okay, as we get ready for uh, Alabama-Birmingham, you heard Coach Diaz talk about it. their strength is on defense. Nine starters return to a defense that was number eight in total defense a year ago, allowed 301 yards uh, per game. Uh, Miami, of course, has De'Ara King, and he should be instant offense. And I think when, when we, we've discussed De'Ara King so far, here in the offseason, we've talked about his leadership, uh, the way players gravitate to his personality, his accuracy. But, you know, one of the biggest thorns in the side of the University of Miami uh, defense over the years has been a team 
that has had a running quarterback, right? You get the extra guy, he becomes an extra back, and now Miami has a quarterback where you can have design runs for De'Ara King. Well, Joe, you you know more than anybody. How much did, was it Bryce Perkins help the University of Virginia? Absolutely. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and do a comparison, he was a junior college guy, came to them. They had him for two years, and we know that the coach at, at UVA is a defensive-minded coach in Bronco Mendenhall. He and and he brings in uh, the magic man, and you never knew what was going to happen in that football game. And I think that this offense is even more structured for Derek King than what they had for Bryce Perkins at UVA. So I felt that every single game that Virginia played when they had Bryce Perkins, they had a chance to win it. It didn't matter every single game, meaning Miami. Heck, I, they got to the Orange Bowl, didn't they? I mean, when, when, you, when yep. you think about what that, man, that young man did for that program, I think you have to somewhat parallel to what you can expect. Different style of football, different offense, but the same thing out of Derek King. Derek will be playing in his 23rd game when he takes his first snap for the University of Miami. Uh, 6,000, over 6,300 total yards at the University of Houston. Played in some big games, played against Oklahoma. Played well in those games. Uh, Didn't always have the best supporting cast around him, but uh, gave Houston an opportunity to win games. Well, and he he did it. and, And let's take it back even a step further. So he returned a kickoff for a touchdown in college football. Now, I, I can't even tell you the last time the University of Miami did it. He's probably returned a kickoff for a touchdown in college football since Miami has, right? I mean, in the last four years, he's done that. So that, that just tells you what type of top-end speed he has. Well, it tells you the problems that he's going to cause for the defense. And again, let's you and I change hats. Every time that we, and we go back a long way, but I'm not saying that Derek King is Michael Vick, but look what it did for Frank Beamer. It got, it got them to a national championship game. When you think, when you think about this element and when it clicks, it is such a nightmare for the defense. And that's, Probably one of the things that attracted Manny Diaz the most to Rhett Lashley, and then you bring in Derek King, and I'm sure Derek was 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 connected with with Rhett and the fact that he knows what he did. It's a it's a it's a marriage made in heaven. I think uh, people might uh, overlook Rhett Lashley's experience uh, at Auburn, two championship games, I believe it was two championship games, uh, getting Auburn there. With Gus Malzahn, they were on the cutting edge of all this spread stuff When it uh, here in the last 10 years or so. He had an interesting perspective. There were times where uh, Gus Malzahn was at the line of scrimmage. You know, people always ask, where is the offensive coordinator going to be? Is he going to be upstairs or downstairs? And uh, for a long time, Rhett Lashley worked downstairs, but he worked down the field. He worked down by the secondary. Uh, I'm sure, well, I'm not really sure. I I suppose he'll be at the line of scrimmage. uh, And I know that he and... Uh, Gus Malzahn had their reasons for doing that. But I guess my my point is this. He's been in a lot of big games. When you're in the Southeastern Conference, game in and game out, you've got a lot of issues you've got to sort out and a lot of adjustments you have to make during the course of a game. Rhett Lashley is in the family business. This offense is his family's business. He he was in this offense as a seventh grader 
with Gus Malzahn as his coach. So he saw it from the day it was born, and he's taken it all over the country, and he's been successful with it. He's been, he made huge jumps when he was at the University of Connecticut. Now, Connecticut is not playing football this year. They considered dropping it. But he went there and upped their, their, their stats 50%. And you realize what he did uh, at the time he was at SMU. But he is also, people forget this, but he was also a quarterback in this offense in the Southeastern Conference. He played for Arkansas. So this guy has, has played, I like the fact that he pl- has played at a high level of competition. And, he, and when he was at Auburn, as a coach, they had a 1,000-yard rusher each of the four years that he was there. There's a, a time in his career, you know, he's dealing with having to beat Georgia every single, every single year. He's having to deal with uh, game planning against Alabama. So the level of competition that he has seen and had to, to scheme against that, that, that tests you every time, and, and that's the thing that intrigues me about him is, is his vast experience in this, but he, had, he played it from its inception. The Hurricanes offensive line going to get a good test early on. Uh, Alabama-Birmingham's defensive line, you look at Jordan Smith, and we touched on it with Coach Diaz in our last segment, a transfer in from Florida, one of my favorite names, Fish McWilliams, Fish McWilliams, <laughs> A big 315-pounder. He's a big fish, Joe. He is a, he is a big <laughs> fish. <laughs> yeah, they got to block a big fish. Uh, Tyree Turner, he's a senior 300-pounder. And Anthony Moultrie, uh, also a senior, another six foot four, 300-pounder. They've got a lot of games under their belt. How do you think not only will the offensive line respond against this defensive line, but with the new techniques, the new strategy, how is that going to help the offensive line? Well, I think that they've simplified everything, and, and a big part of that is they've simplified the, the line calls, and they've, made, they've narrowed down the playbook. And I think that always makes it easier for everybody. Everybody has been focused on the receivers have less to think about and the running backs have less to think about. Well, so do the smartest guys on the team, the offensive line. Those guys don't have as much to think about, too. So now... The decisions are made quicker. The guy that probably feels the most relief is Corey Gaynor. Corey Gaynor, uh, last year and in a couple of the games the year before, he was responsible for, for making sure that whole offensive line was on the same page. Now he's, he's going to have that same responsibility now. It comes with being a center, but there's not as much of it. And it's easier conceptually for the offensive line to grasp what they're supposed to do there's an answer. They've taken all the gray out of it. There's an answer for everything that there is to do. And I think the best thing they did is they got Garen Justice, who was he was at UNLV, but he's a guy that played this in a similar offense with Rich Rodriguez at a high level at West Virginia. He was a second-team All-American at tackle there. He gets it, and it's similar to Rhett Lashley. He kind of grew up in it is uh, not kind of he did grow up in it he was there when it was invented and and the same thing is with Garen Justice and I think the ability to communicate and 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 help the guys understand because he had it as an 18 year old and so it's a lot easier when you have it at that age to teach it to kids that age but the offense line has to get better the more starts you have the better you're going to be period the offense is going to help the style of coaching 
is certainly going to help. And you understand, as, as the offensive line coach, your goal is to simplify it and get it where these guys can execute. Well, you have more misdirection, right? More, more misdirection. Uh, also, guys able to uh, move down the field. They can go three yards down the field and block, so you can throw behind that. Uh, these are things that were happening to the University of Miami defense. Now Miami can attack in a similar way. Well, Joe, the, the simplest thing is this. If you want to help that offensive line, Derek King is the, their best friend because if there's leakage on one side or the other, he can just run. I mean, it's not like he just take off and run. And, 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 he, and he does it so naturally, but he, he's not in a hurry to do it. He knows he's got enough games under his belt where he can feel that pressure. And the scheme of this, and we're going to get into this Thursday night, the scheme of this thing when it starts to materialize, they protect the, the, the offense by identifying who is the most uh, dangerous person on the defense, and they scheme around that. And they, it's all about taking what the defense gives you. I think that a lot of last year, and we'll harp on this Thursday night, a lot of last year was, you know, this is the offense, and this is what we're going to do. Now it's, this is the offense. How do I blend it to make us do things great? You know, earlier you mentioned a kickoff return for a touchdown. Mark Pope is going to return kicks for Miami. He's also a starting wide receiver. It's his third year. It's a very friendly wide receiver offense. Coach Diaz talked about his uh, just make good decisions on punt and kick returns. Uh, my hope is that he gives Miami that explosive element that has been missing for several years. Well, it's up to him, yep, right? To him. It, it, yeah, it's, no really, it's really up to him. He's, he's, he's now in the offense that is custom-made for, for, for Florida athletes, or you know, meaning the state of Florida athletes, or Miami athletes, or guys with speed. So, so he has that. He's been um, – he's older. He understands what you have to do in college football, and now it's time for him to make an impact. I think really uh, the simplest thing, I wouldn't want the job for all the money in the world, is, you know, when you're returning kicks, you know, it's catch the football, make the right decision, and score. And you're going to see right then and there the natural part of Mark Pope. If he's, if he's able, the instincts will take over. And I think that's a great spot for him because everybody in South Florida knows about his high school career and, and how fast he was and how uh, he, he could change a game. Well, let, he'll start there. That'll build his confidence. But he's listed as a starter as well. So it, it's, it's his turn to make a difference here as a Hurricane. Uh, on the other side of the ball, one of the guys we're going to keep an eye on in this game, well, first of all, the, the uh, be two players for uh, UAB. Uh, Spencer Brown, the running back, over 3,000 yards rushing in his career. And then Austin Watkins, a relative of Sammy Watkins, those two guys uh, give them a very nice element in their offense. They, they really do, Joe. You know, it's, it's the Brown and Brown. They've got Spencer number four and Jermaine number one. And you brought up Spencer Brown. When, when you're saying him in the same breath as ATM from Clemson, what does that tell you? I mean, you're thinking about – 
Well, where, where's 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 the number two back in returning yards coming from? Is he coming from USC? Is he coming from Ohio State? Is he coming from Georgia? Is he coming from Alabama? No, he's coming. Yeah, he is Alabama, but Alabama, Birmingham. And this guy's had 14 100-yard games in his career. You mentioned he's he's the career-leading rusher there now with 3,200 yards. And he is a legit back because this these yards, his freshman year, he was over 1,000. His sophomore year, he was over 1,000. Last year, he got too big. He got beat up. It, and, and, he, and he produced about 500 yards and change. Now, I, when, the tape that I watched on him, He's excellent. He would help Miami win football games. He would help anybody in the in the ACC win football games. He just happens to be playing for UAB, and he's a concern. And they lean on him heavy. And when when he gets tired, they bring up bring in a different style of back. And Jermaine Brown. Now he's you know he's a guy that's coming in with 500 career yards versus uh, 3,000, but he's certainly going to be the the guy to fill the shoes next year. Before we move into hour number two and bring on David Hale here right after 7 o'clock. We uh, got a very nice email the other day from the aunt of one of uh, the University of Miami players. And so you're ready now. Jafar, I'm ready. Jafar I. Harvey. Jafar I. That's what I had. Well, <laughs> But I didn't say it that way. <laughs> Jafar I. Harvey. Jafar I. Before, I think there, the pronunciation Jafar might have e. been Jafar E., and yeah. Jafar I's aunt wants everybody to know it is Jafar I, and she is uh, cannot contain her excitement to see her nephew play on Thursday night. Jafar I Harvey, athletic, and he could be a real werewolf on wheels for Miami at defensive end. So well, when our audience hears us pronounce his name Jafar I, that's the correct uh, the correct pronunciation. Jafar I Harvey. I think it's I think it's safe to say if you've seen what I've seen of Jafari Harvey, um, before his career ends here, we might just be calling him Mister Harvey. He has got that much talent. He is he is a guy that uh, you know they hit away. I got to tell you, man, he did is did a great job last year, uh, tucking away a bunch of these freshmen. And people are going to be asking us, I'm sure, over the next. Uh, Many weeks here, and a guy like him over the next few years, where'd he come from? He came from Vero Beach, and he got redshirted in his freshman year. Now, plus, we like the fact that he's from Vero Beach. That's right, both in, both you and I. Yeah, we love that. Okay, uh, when we come back in hour number two, David Hale from ESPN will join us, and so will Quincy Roche. But first, let me talk to you about pro- probably my favorite subject, and my pleasure to talk to you about Williamson Cadillac. Ed Williamson, his lovely wife, Carol Williamson. They've been a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years. And Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here. And, you know, this is a unique community. And they can do it because Williamson is Miami. And right now you can experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer. Its award-winning lineup will make a statement. And they're unmistakable XT crossovers engineered to stand out. Or you can excite your senses in Williamson CT sedan series dedicated to performance or riding the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. Visit their state-of-the-art facility conveniently located at US 1 and 104th Street just south of the Palmetto Expressway. Or you can view their entire lineup online at williamsoncadillac.com. 
I love, absolutely love my Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac is your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 